Hello there, I'm Susan Bradley and welcome to the Four Modern Mothers podcast, a podcast dedicated to mothers and mothers-to-be, here to help you navigate your own unique journey through modern motherhood. In each episode, there'll be insights and wisdom. We'll be covering everything from fertility and trying to conceive to pregnancy and birth and onwards through your life as a mother. Expect conversations around subjects and issues that will support, inspire, inform, and empower you. From health and well-being, to body image, self-care, mental health, birth, pregnancy, work-life balance, relationships, the whole lot. With my specially invited guests and experts, as well as sharing my own knowledge with you. Enjoy and don't forget to subscribe too. Hello, hi, welcome everyone. Hi, it's Susan here from from Four Modern Mothers, and I'm here today with lovely Lauren Partington from Calm, um, who's a Calm Family Consultant and Parenting Coach, um, and she helps um, parents raising children in a calm and loving way. And she's got lots of knowledge um, and lots of ways to help parents all the way through from in pregnancy, preparing for baby. Um, and, and life with a baby, um, all the way through to children of school age. But what we're gonna talk about today is something that's always a hot topic. I bet you get asked about this so much, um, <laughs> is baby sleep, okay? Baby sleep, is my baby sleeping normally? Um, how do I get more sleep for my baby so that I can sleep and my family can sleep? Because it is hard, it's isn't it? Hard. It's really hard. And this causes a lot of worry um, and people wondering what they can do, um, what what books they've read, people are giving them advice and they're unsure what is normal. It's talked about a lot every single week in my pregnant, in my mum and baby yoga classes, people going, my baby's doing this, it's sleep regression, my baby's doing that, is it normal? And every single baby is different, okay? And every single family and woman, women will deal with it in a different way. Um, but Lauren is here um, just to give you a bit of kind of science behind it so we understand what goes on with babies and, and why baby sleep is such a tr- tricky subject for us to understand, what's normal and some little tips and things of what you can what you can do to help. So this is great I'm really looking forward to it. Welcome Lauren. Hello. Hello. Uh, yes. So normal baby sleep. Yeah. What is normal baby sleep? Normal baby sleep is probably how your baby's sleeping and you wish that they would do it differently. Okay, yes. Um, Yeah, I think that probably in our society, we have a very clear idea of our babies sleeping, getting better as they get older. Okay, um, And then feeling that there's a problem because our babies aren't sleeping how we would like them to sleep. Yeah. Um, So part of the work that I do is providing the information and education for parents so that they understand what is normal? What is because normal? I think yeah. once we know what's normal, we don't worry as much yeah. that there's something wrong. Yeah. Um, so baby sleep, in a nutshell, is um, to do with sleep cycles and um, transitions between the sleep cycles and body clocks. So okay. I'll just go through it yeah. very quickly. Because I imagine... baby sleep and grown-up sleep is not the same thing yeah it's not the same thing at all which may surprise a lot of people people. um, because we perhaps think that sleep is sleep 
and it, we just need to teach our babies how to sleep. Yes. Um, and you don't need to teach your babies how to sleep. Babies, it's a biological function. Okay. We, everybody does it. Yeah. Um, and if we were to do nothing at all, our babies would sleep like an adult at the right, at the right age. <laughs> at some point. At some point. Yes, at some um, point. So... Adults have sleep cycles of about 90 to 120 minutes, so an hour and a half to two hours. Okay. Um, and through the night, we go from one sleep cycle to the next. Okay. Um, and when we end one sleep cycle, we transition to the next. Now, in that transition, we sort of go into a very light sleep. Um, okay. And that's often when we'll wake up because we need to go to the toilet or we're thirsty or maybe we're too cold. We need to call the duvet back. Okay, yeah. Um, and so as adults, we do not sleep through the night. Right. But often we will not be aware that we've woken, so no. we might just pull the duvet or roll over and go back into the next sleep cycle. Yeah. Um, babies have a sleep cycle that's half as long. So it's oh. about 45 to 60 minutes. Okay. So they're doing exactly the same thing, but but more times yes, during exactly, the night. Exactly. Okay. So if you think about us having, um, say, two-hour sleep cycle, so it's easy and we're sleeping 10 hours, yeah. that's five chances for us Ten to hours, wake up. Lovely. I know, when, <laughs> when, it's just because of my maths. Yeah, <laughs> yes, no. so, whereas a baby, in the yeah. same time, would be waking up, have the chance to wake up 10 times. Okay. So twice as many, right. okay. which is why it feels so hard for us. Yeah. Um, and often we are being woken up in the middle of one of our sleep cycles, okay. um, which yes. is not a comfortable place to be woken up as well. Of course, yes. Yes, um, makes sense. Yeah. So they have much shorter sleep cycles. Um, in that sleep cycle, so we'll talk about a 40-minute sleep cycle, which is about average. 20 minutes, so half of that, is when they first fall asleep and is, is in the REM sleep. So that's rapid eye movement sleep, yeah. um, where a lot of brain stuff is going on. And it's really, really important for development. But it's you're quite easily awoken from that sleep. Right. Um, and so if you've ever fed your baby and then tried to put them down, they've woken up. Yeah. That's why. Because, because they're not in the deepest deep deep stage sleep. of the cycle. And then the next right. 20 minutes is the deeper sleep. Um, and biologically speaking, and from an evolutionary perspective, that's really for safety. Um, yeah. A baby who can be roused easily is much safer because they can then alert their parents that something's going on. So we always talk about, like, if you imagine a cave baby, yes. um, you know, the nighttime is their most vulnerable time um, because... You know, a predator might come and get them yeah, before. Saber tooth tiger. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like to talk about yes. So that might happen. Yeah. So for a baby to be able to be to wake up and alert somebody that there's danger, yeah, um, is really really important. But also, um, perhaps babies having trouble breathing. If if they are in a light sleep, they are more likely to wake up yeah. and to alert somebody to okay. that. Okay. And so it protects against SIDS as well. Children who right. are light sleepers are. Easy, easier to wake. Easier to wake. So it's really, really an important safety mechanism. Yeah. So, so it's it's normal that they have these short sleep cycles. It's yeah. it's how they're they're wired to break, that you know, they're wired up to to sleep. Yes. And it's evolutionary, so that's yes. completely normal. And the fact they wake up. Yeah, absolutely. Often. So it's completely normal. I know it doesn't make it any easier. No, it doesn't make it easier for us. <laughs> but it is. It's totally okay. normal. So those um the the issue comes when they are waking every transition. Okay. So at the end of every sleep cycle, your baby's waking up. So potentially you could be woken every hour yes. at night, which yeah. is brutal when you are a parent, regardless of um, what else you're doing in the day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you have other children, 
um, if you have a job that you have to go yeah. to, all of those yeah. can make it really, really difficult. Yeah. Or, or um, just surviving on that surviving. constantly broken sleep, even it's if you've broken sleep. You know, if you, it's your first baby and, and you haven't, you know, you've not get, yeah, gone back to work or you're not going back to work. It's hell. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, I thought it would kill me if we yeah. were And I had, I was on maternity leave. I didn't have anybody else to look after. And yeah. it was so hard. I remember. And you're you like, know, this can't be right. Just, this yeah, can't exactly. be. I can't possibly stay alive. Like, my feel just yes. so exhausted, so tired. It's um, And I think something that really compounds that is that we are constantly being told that. Um, we need to teach them to sleep. Yeah. Um, they should be able to self-soothe. And we, I think I certainly did felt like I was doing something wrong. Yeah. And that if I was a good mother and if I was strong enough, I would leave him to cry yeah. because I needed to teach him. And people um, are thrusting books at you. So this is books that exist. It's not, you know, people might tell you things, but they're, oh, here's a book about yes. it. Then you go, well, it must be written in a book. So it must be. You must trust it. You must trust it. Um, but actually, they, most of those books are not based so yeah. everything that I will talk about is evidence-based. Okay, that's really so important. It's, yeah. um, it's not my opinion, honestly. No, it, it is backed up by scientific yeah. research. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when your baby is born, they don't have um, their own circadian rhythm, their own body clock. Um, in the womb, they've been getting melatonin from you. And melatonin is the hormone that makes you feel sleepy. Yeah. Um, so it's vital. Uh, so your baby will have basically slept when you slept and um, you know on and off um, yeah. so for the first four months of life they don't have their own levels of melatonin and their whole system is sort of developing okay so um, but they don't know when they should they the hormone isn't there to tell them it's night time go to sleep exactly ah yeah, okay exactly. so for the first three or four months of life, um, you'll probably notice that your baby's sleep is quite erratic. They yeah. sleep whenever. They seem to sleep a lot, yeah. um, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, um, but yeah. <laughs> maybe they don't sleep a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, and then around four months, their body clock starts um, becoming developed, which means that you should hopefully see a improvement in um, their sleep from the point of view that they sleep more at night than they do during the day. Okay. Um, but again, this isn't at four months, that's what the baby does. This is, that's kind of a an approximation, but all children are different. So yeah. it's not like, it's their four month birthday, they're going to sleep at night now today. Yeah, it's not, exactly. It's not as everyone's different. It starts exactly. to happen, but yeah, some babies, yeah. they haven't read the book. They haven't got the memo, but it doesn't happen exactly. It's just starting to happen in their brain and in their body. And interestingly, um, four months is known as a sleep regression okay. um, because so. it seems like they are sleeping less um, and it may, they may also be waking more during the night, um, but it's it's actually a development. It's okay. a regression. It, yeah. But their sleep can be affected because they're now trying to figure out how to sleep like... Um, when we are we we've yeah. all to sleep so they're trying to transition to the more grown-up yeah, brain exactly. of, of sleep pattern of their circadian rhythm the daytime nighttime yeah, thing absolutely yeah um, and it isn't until about four to five years of age that children um start sleeping like adults okay so, it, it, so for the first four to five years uh you may find that your baby or your child yeah. wakes up regularly wakes at night up. or wakes up maybe once a week or it depends on the child yeah um but at about school age, they, their sleep cycles look very much like an adult sleep cycle. Yeah. From about about that age, that's when you start to see them sleeping 
through the night a lot more regularly. Yeah. And just as an aside, through the night is um, classed as five hours in a row. Oh, so when really? people talk okay. about sleeping through the night, yeah, yeah. Um, from a science perspective, that's only classed as five, five hour stretch. Hours. Right. So when everybody's telling you that their children are sleeping through the night, it's probably not seven till seven. <laughs> Yeah, which would, yeah. Be heaven, which would be heaven <laughs> for everyone, grown-ups and children and everything. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah. So it's how their brains developing and how their hormones are developing that aren't the same as grown-ups, and it's completely normal that they wake up frequently. It's just thinking about getting them back to sleep and yes. what their what their needs are. Yes, and I think that's really important that you said the needs because babies are only able to communicate their needs. So babies aren't able to manipulate. They just do not have the brain development for it. Yeah. Um, so if they're crying, it's because they have a need that they need you to meet. Yeah. They're very vulnerable. They can't do anything themselves. So when they wake in the night and something's wrong, they need you to fix it. Um, yeah. And that's really, um, really important to remember. And also that they don't only wake for physical needs, like needing a nappy changing, uh, needing a feed. Yeah. There's also emotional needs and psychological needs. Um, like they're feeling lonely or they're feeling scared or I haven't seen mummy much today because I've been at nursery, I need more cuddles, yeah. I need some reassurance. Uh, yeah, so I think it's really important. And as adults, we can kind of relate to that, that, you know, cuddling, having that contact and, yeah. you know, that's really important that we feel secure as well Definitely. as just feeling warm in our beds and having had enough food and all yeah. these things too. Yeah. So, Those physiological needs are really your... The, basic needs yeah. that we should all be meeting, yeah. but there's so many emotional needs. Yeah. It helps us feel secure that we can sleep and, yeah. and it all is all is well. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So you're not because people often say, oh, you know, if if you fall asleep and you've always got your you're feeding, you've got your hand on your baby, that's it. Forever you're gonna have to do that. You've made a rod for your own back. You've made a rod for your own back. Oh, oh I hate that. Yeah. I think it just makes parents feel guilty yeah. for doing what works. What works and what instinctively feels like a logical thing to do is cuddle and put a hand on your baby yes. and they are reassured by that. My daughter's still at five and a half. I go to sleep, lying on a bed next to her. She wants cuddling. She wants to hurt my hand on her tummy. Yes. Okay. And I'm prepared to do that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I do that. She likes that. That helps her go yes. to sleep. And I get that. I cuddle. People like a cuddle in bed. As grown-ups, why wouldn't you? I mean, your other daughter? My other daughter's completely different. Yeah. She's not interested from six months, would just go yeah. to sleep happily on her own. They're twins, so same environment, same in womb experience and everything, but different people, different yeah, children, different that's needs. Exactly. That's and exactly the same for my children. So my, my son um, didn't need that after about two and a half. He didn't yeah. he didn't need it, that input. My daughter's three and a half and still needs still that every night. And he yeah. gets very upset if I suggest that she goes to bed alone. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. You do what works for your family, yeah. what feels right for your exactly. children. I'm not advocating this right as a thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. I just, you know, and it's really frustrating sometimes. And I wish <laughs> I could just go, off you go to bed, yeah. close cuddle, off you go on your own. But, you know, they're five and a half. Who knows, One, some point soon, or maybe not oh, so soon, yeah. they'll be going, I don't want you to come and sleep anymore. And that will be it. And I will feel sad. Yeah. So it's as much for me as for them, I have to admit, that that just makes us all feel good. So that's yes. what we do. Yes. Yeah. Um, can I share some statistics with you? Please, please do. Yes, um, I think this is reassuring to know what the actual facts and figures are. You're not alone. Yeah. So there was um, there were there've been quite a few studies 
uh, to do that have interviewed parents at different stages of their children's lives to see how often they wake at night. Yeah. And the statistics have shown that at three months, 46% of the babies were waking regularly. Okay. Um, so that could be anything from, uh, you know, three times a night to eight times a night. Yeah. Um, but also over a week, it can mean they were waking every night. Um, at six months, though, 39% of those babies were waking up. So that's okay. kind of what we would expect. Yeah. Their, their sleep improves. Yes. Fewer of them are waking up. But then the really surprising thing is that at nine months, it jumped back up to 58%. So, oh, okay. So more babies are waking at nine months and more than nearly 60%. Yeah, yeah, which is huge. huge. And if we're saying 60% of babies are waking at nine months, is that that's normal? Then yeah. that becomes something that actually most, well, a majority of the babies majority. are doing. Yeah. Um, and then at 12 months, it only drops slightly to 55%. So at the age of one, half of children still need parental input um, okay. to get them back to sleep back at night sleep. and to okay. sleep at the beginning. Yeah. So um, the reason for this uh, is because there is a lot going on from about nine months of age, like uh, separate separation anxiety kicks in, ah. and you have a lot of development going on. So if you think about crawling, starting to stand, pull themselves up, yeah. um, their brains are changing, so the way that they see the world is changing. Yeah. It can feel quite scary. If you imagine suddenly everything, the way that you perceive everything suddenly changes, changes yeah. that can be really unsettling. And so, and also their brains are starting to whiz around and think, you know, all sorts of things going on. Yeah. So that can be something um, they need a lot more reassurance and okay. their safe place is you as a parent yeah. um, and so often they need more input because there's so much development right. going on. So they um, want that reassurance as they get that little bit older, nine and twelve months, then they might have, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And um, as we were discussing earlier as well, sometimes a big change can uh, really unsettle sleep. So I was saying that yeah. my three-year-old, um, we've had quite a lot of changes in our family and the way that things are happening in our family um, and she has I've noticed that in her sleep so she's probably been sleeping in her own bed a good two years all through the night and yeah. all of a sudden like, every single night she's coming into our bed at like two in the morning yeah and she's yeah. needing that yeah um but I because I understand that that's because we've had lots of changes I'm yeah. just going with it yeah because I feel like if I give her that reassurance she'll feel safe enough to go yeah. back to how she was doing yeah. things uh, so big changes, and it could be a new sibling starting nursery, a new key worker at nursery, mum going back to work, moving house. Yeah, There's so, so many, many things. things. Or just something that's really worrying them that you might not even know about when they're a bit older. Something at Absolutely. school or whatever. And it could be something that we would see as quite insignificant. But to yes. them, it's a big thing. Well, even a dog barking at them when, they, when we're going for a walk. Yeah. That could really scare them. Yeah. Um, and they're going through that. And it's going through when they go to sleep yeah. and they're playing out. So, yeah, 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 that still happens. My daughters still come in if there's something that's worrying them at school or something, or they've been away for a few days, like same grandparents. I know for the next few nights, I'm going to get a little tap on the shoulder at two in the morning yeah. and they're going to, one of them's going to cuddle in. And I'm fine with that because I know they have the reassurance and then they'll go back to like, sleeping in the room. Yes. And I think, that, you know, if we decide that we're going to be responsive as parents, yeah. If we think that 50% of our children's lives are at night. Yeah, actually. You know, yes. always, we need to think about how we want to parent them at night at as night. well. I think that's yeah. an important thing to think about. It is. And creating the boundaries that you want in your family, what is acceptable, what isn't. Yes. But so that the children are clear, because otherwise yeah. they're getting 
really mixed messages. Yeah. We're really responsive to them during the day, but then yeah. we leave them at night and we don't respond. Yeah. That must feel quite unsettling for them as well. Yeah, that's true. Actually. That's a really good point. Yeah, being have that consistency, that, yeah. that loving connection and emotional support day night, 24-7. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. It's draining. It's just draining. It's just draining. Okay, brilliant. So that's the science of it and why and the hormones and the development and we've got the statistics. Is there anything we can do to help? Can we, is there anything we can try and help our, our children get to sleep? Good. Yes. There, are, there are things. Uh, so the things that we talk about at Calm Family are all things that are um, have research behind them, so things that have shown yeah. to work. Um, these are not things that I'm saying you have to do, yeah. um, other, because I think the really important message to get across is that you are the expert in your own child. You know your child, and there is no... If somebody yeah. tells you that this is what you do, follow my rules, and this is the result that you'll get, run a mile, because, <laughs> yeah. just, because there's absolutely no way that you can say this one thing fits for everybody no. it doesn't happen in any area of life it doesn't They're it's the same difference. in pregnancy in labor in birth and yeah. everything it's not one size fits all we are individuals our children are individuals our families we're all different Absolutely. so some things will can be you know other people suggesting things maybe could be great but it's someone rigidly saying follow this formula every child should be doing this. Yeah, I think it just causes a lot more stress. Yeah. So yes, there are things that we can do. Okay. And once we understand how children sleep and what's normal, we can work with that um, so that we're not interrupting their development, um, but we're also helping ourselves. Because we do live in a modern world where there are a lot of pressures on us and we need yeah. our sleep. And I think yeah. it can be really difficult. Um, so the, the, I think the first thing, thing to think about is the environmental factors that might be affecting sleep. Yeah. So things like screens, um, and we were talking earlier about the fact that actually if your child watches TV right before bed and then they go to sleep, fine, that's fine. Fine, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's just that if you are finding that your child isn't going to sleep or they're waking often at night, these are things that you can try. So this is not to say that you have to stop all screens and artificial light, but screens, um, phone screens, TVs, uh, artificial lights like uh, yeah. le electric lights they can all interfere with the release of melatonin okay. so once the sun starts going down and um, your body starts releasing melatonin and um, becomes sleepy Ready and it takes a few hours for yeah. us to so you know when you get that kind of lull at like four in the afternoon that's when it starts ah. so yeah so your melatonin starts making you sleepy so lights and screens can really interfere with that um, so something that uh, is really, really great is thinking about red light, using red light. So okay. if you have a night light, so a lot of, you know, the light shows and night lights for children are blue-based. Mm -hmm. Yes, my, the one I have is blue-based at night and yellow in the daytime oh, and it gives off blue light, which sort of makes sense, but now it doesn't make sense. Yes. Mm. And it's not something that I actually, um, I did a lot of reading about sleep when I had my children and I didn't come across this until I came to Calm Family. Okay. But, um, Red light does not interfere with melatonin release. Okay. So when red light enters your eyes, it doesn't tell your brain that it's day. Okay. So, so it doesn't. Light light yeah. So helpful. it doesn't stop. It doesn't make you sleep, but it doesn't yeah. stop you. Doesn't sleeping. interfere yeah, with exactly. the natural going on the body. So that's always the first thing that I would suggest is that if you have um, 
a nightlight is to consider changing it. Yeah. Um, even just a little bunch of red fairy lights is really yeah. good. Um, yeah. I have some battery ones in the jar. So okay, it yeah. That really works. But um, another one um, is a diffuser, which ah, if you want yes. to one, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, that's really good. Um, thinking about if your child is eating food, um, trying to avoid E-numbers because they have been shown to really interrupt sleep and not just onset of sleep, but okay. um, staying asleep. So they cause a lot more night waking. Really? Okay. Uh, so if you are, maybe just be vigilant about, you know, what's what's in the food. What's in the food, checking the packet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then foods that can help. Uh, breast milk is perfect if you are breastfeeding. Um, it's, it's a perfect way to get your children to sleep yeah, because yeah. it is full of melatonin at night because you are producing melatonin. Okay, so yeah. it makes, it helps your baby become sleepy. It's also just comforting for them. The whole experience is relaxing. Yeah. So um, if you are happy to continue breastfeeding to sleep, that's a perfect one to use. Yeah. Um, and then foods with tryptophan in them. Tryptophan. Yes. This is totally new to me. I've never <laughs> heard of the word tryptophan. So that is also, that is... Um, an important building block of the sleep hormones, but it's ah. something that you can only get from food. Okay. Um, so things like, and there's a whole list, but I'll give you some common ones. Okay. Oats, bananas, red meat, chicken, nuts, uh, cheese, okay. and milk. Oh, okay. Um, so any of those, thinking about giving your child maybe a bedtime snack with something like that, it's been shown to help with falling asleep. Um, Why? Not with going back to yeah, sleep yeah. Um, or sleeping through, but help with falling, falling asleep. asleep. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's helping to just help you become sleepy. Oh, okay, interesting. That can be really useful. Yeah. We'll put, I'll, in below the video, I'll put that tryptophan. Okay, so I'm glad <laughs> yeah. that is. Yeah, um, brilliant. And then, yeah, the other things that you can do. So um, there are quite a few sensory things that you can do um, yeah. in your child's sleep environment. Yeah. And uh, it can really help. But all of them will take about four to six weeks to condition. So what we're trying to do is build an association. Yeah. Um, so these are not things like if I say to you, you just sprinkle lavender around the room and it'll make them sleepy. It's like fairy dust. <laughs> no. Yes, it would be amazing. <laughs> um, but no. no. So it's about four to six, four, six weeks, weeks of consistent use. Okay. Um, so the things that you can do to condition your baby for sleep um, are using scent. So lavender or Roman chamomile have been shown to be yeah. really good for this so really relaxing and you can do a number of things with them um, and I would suggest all of these are used during the bedtime routine um, and through the night if possible okay. so that when the baby wakes up in the night they yeah. have these experiences everything feels as it was and then they can go back to sleep yeah. so um, you could have a bath with lavender in I would say though that to make sure it's essential oil and not you know things like johnson's lavender mm, bath mm. is not that it doesn't have real lavender in it no, i believe no, so it won't no. have the same effect um so lavender in the bath massage with lavender yeah. a diffuser in the room and we we're saying with the red light you can get diffusers that are yeah. color changing plug in diffusers so they, they don't heat they've got some water in and they kind of vibrate and this diffuses the essential yes. oil so they're completely safe in a children's room and they have a light and i have one at color change but you can stock it on each any color yeah. so you can stop on the red light yeah we always Perfect. have that yeah and yeah. then with a diffuser you can leave that going for a few hours and the yeah. room smells like yeah. And it's relaxing for you as well, actually. It's putting baby to sleep. It's nice. It's lovely. Yeah. So you, there's a number of ways that you can introduce scent. Yeah. Um, that's a really great one. Um, a comforter is a really nice one as well. So yeah. 
um, using something, often children will choose their own, especially if they're older. Okay. They're trying to introduce this beautiful comforter when they want their like ratty old muslin. That might be what they want. Um, and it's really important if they've chosen something to stick with that. Yeah. But, um, something, if you've got a young enough baby to, and you do choose something, choose something made from a natural material like bamboo because it absorbs and holds scent really well. And yeah. then, um, putting it into your top, like tucking it into your bra and um, sleeping with it so that it smells like Smell you. you. Yes. And then every time that you cuddle your baby, you feed your baby, you rock them to sleep, you have this comforter in between you both so that the baby associates that comforter with you and feeling comforted. Yeah. That's a really great one. Again, four to six weeks of doing that. Okay. Um, although we were talking, weren't we, that often babies who um, co-sleep or breastfeed are not interested. My children were mm. never interested in comforters. No, they, they were you. <laughs> you. You are the thing they want. Yeah. You're the thing they know from pregnancy. Yeah. In utero, it's your heartbeat and everything. your voice and everything they're so familiar with, which is lovely and beautiful and frustrating too sometimes. <laughs> but it's fine to be frustrated. It's totally fine. It is. That. It is absolutely fine. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to say that nothing is a problem until it feels like a problem yes. to you. So well, no matter what anybody else is, if you are still bed sharing at and your child is 10, if you're happy with that, that's fine. fine. It's fine. But yeah. if your child is one and you're being kicked all night and you're you need to change it, that's yeah. fine too. Exactly. Um, so music is another really good one. So um, having the music playing during the bedtime routine and then leaving it on softly all night would be ideal. Uh, white noise is great for babies. Yeah. We were saying white noise is sometimes a bit harsh. So yeah. um, not all babies love it, but you can you can get music that's like sounds like a heartbeat or even ocean sounds or rain Water. sounds that knows natural sounds. Natural, yeah, nature. Yeah, <laughs> it's just relaxing. So it if, some, if we find it relaxing as grown-ups, um, yeah. that kind of either gentle music or, or nature sounds, then baby will will pick up on that too. Oh, generally, so yes. think about what works for you. Relaxing things like the lavender, like the music, like the yeah, yeah. all those nice comforting soft. Things. Yes, definitely. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's um, the other thing um, that I think is really, it can be really helpful, but that a lot of parents feel really worried about doing is co-sleeping. And so by co-sleeping, yeah. I mean your baby is in the same room as you, but not on the same sleep surface okay. or bed sharing. Yeah. So um, that is when your baby is in bed with you in the same sleep surface. And those two can be so helpful particularly if you are breastfeeding. So there yeah. are some safety aspects yes, of bed sharing, and exactly. I think it's really important. What I always encourage my antenatal um, clients to do is to, I send them this sleep safety um, website, the links, um, and I say, make sure your bed is safe, even if you're adamant that you will not yes, do it. Just because in case. if you are breastfeeding particularly, you you often, well, I did, I did. fall asleep with my baby yeah, in bed. Totally. So at least knowing that your bed, bed is safe yeah. is really important. Um, but there are some, the main safety aspects are that you should only do it if you are breastfeeding um, because you are, just the, the way that you position your baby in bed and the way that you sleep while, because they are breastfeeding is much safer because their head is really down low by your breast. Yeah. Um, not smoking, drinking, taking drugs. And also that the baby is, you are between 
the baby and any other adults yeah. is really important yeah. Yeah. Um, and that all the covers and pillows and things are away from them. Yeah. But I think it's really important to make sure it's safe, but it can be very safe. Yeah. And that's probably a whole other discussion about bed sharing because yes. a lot of the research that shows that it's unsafe um, lumps it all in with falling asleep on the sofa, with people smoking and doing all yeah. of that. So yeah. there's no... It's a different thing altogether. It is. Yeah, it's a it different is. thing altogether. Um, and I would say that pretty much everybody that I know um, has... Bed at some point, yeah. Even if they thought, even if they thought, I will never do that. I will never do that. I will never do that. It's happened, yes. and it's fine. But you've got to know the safe things yes. around yes. it. Yes. And I did it for two years until yes. my one of my little girls was two, and that's just what she needed. And I chose to do that. Um, but yeah, you have to know it's safe. Yes, and it's not that it's what's right for you and your baby and your family, and that's the main thing. And getting support yes. to make that safe and getting the support that you need. Yeah, and it's a way of you all getting more sleep. Yeah. Um, Exactly. That's why I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I needed the sleep. I needed the sleep. Yeah. So that's another option. And I yeah. think I think sometimes um, just being reassured that actually it's okay to do that yeah. is is enough. Because yeah. um, I know I had a, a mum on my baby workshop sleep workshop recently, and in her email she said, "I need um, I need to know how to stop bed sharing. We're bed sharing. She's the baby's four months old. I know that I shouldn't do it. And after she came, she's like, oh." I feel so much better now because it's actually, it's okay. it's okay. It's okay. And she was doing all the safety things right and it was all, yeah. so okay. that's the important thing. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, and then just um, things like uh, having a little bedtime routine that is familiar every night yes. is, is great. It doesn't have to be rigid, but something yeah. that's... So whether it's a bath, massage, reading a story, puddles, that's whatever it is, consistency yeah. that happens yes. and then they know the next thing that comes is sleep yeah yeah but I, I i would just say that whatever feels right for you if you are trying to do something that doesn't feel right like it's going against your instinct um it feels really uncomfortable then don't do it no. um, yeah instinct is really important. yeah it is and i think it's absolutely fine you you don't ever hear of like 18 year olds or even like eight year olds um you know still wanting to breastfeed to sleep and things i mean it's just yeah. not or being rocked to sleep yeah. but it is much easier changing it when with a toddler than it is with a new baby yeah um so yeah. i would just say for the sake of your sanity is just go what works yeah. with what works for you yeah As yeah and it will pass this too will pass it, it does. does pass it changes unfortunately we can't tell you exactly when it will change yeah. each baby is different but it does pass and they i had yeah. a terrible sleeper is now a great sleeper she takes a little while to go to sleep but she sleeps through it all yeah. the time um amazing yeah. amazing lauren thank you so much um Fascinating. It's a fascinating subject. I know people are so interested in it. Um, there's lots more to know. And Lauren um, is based around York and we're very lucky to have her. And as you can see, she's a real expert in, in lots of things, baby, um, toddler, um, school aged children relating. Where can people find out more about your workshops and courses and you work one-to-one -to -one too? Where should they go? So um, I work mostly from my Facebook page, yeah. uh, which is if you search for Baby Calm Toddler Calm York, so maybe add a link. Yeah, we'll add a link, um, Baby Calm Toddler Calm York. Um, so yeah, so my page is called Calm Families York uh, because we have more things to add other than babies and toddlers. And ah, the whole family. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's mainly where um, I work from. Everything is on there. So I have a services section which tells you all the different workshops that I do. 
Brilliant. Um, and I cover yeah everything from antenatal yeah. all the way to school age currently. So people can um, come when they're pregnant and and gen up on baby sleep and how that might be and have your whole workshop on it and have they bank that knowledge before they've got the baby which might not be yeah. sleeping so they can get the knowledge when they're pregnant and then from then onwards. Yes, from then onwards and we do, we deal with um toddler behaviour and sleep and eating and how to use play to build better brains and we do four trimester stuff and sleep and weaning and all sorts of oh my things. God. So, yeah, so it's really and everything is evidence based yeah. and then everything is kind of respectful to parents and children so that we make sure that everybody is benefiting from yeah. whatever tools that we use rather than um making it feel like you feel like you're a bad parent or making your child feel like they're not happy. Yeah. So um, and it's working Finding what fits you, isn't it? Like you said, it's not one size fits all. It's not a regiment. It's not a this no, is how you must do it. Yeah. It's exploring, yes. knowing what science tells us, and then work, trying to work out what together with your child, yeah, what absolutely, works. Absolutely, absolutely. And often when um, parents have a an issue that they're struggling with, that's when they'll work one to one with me because then we can really do, we can really go into a particular issue rather than um, covering one topic like yeah. sleep. So sometimes somebody will have issues with sleep and eating, so we might work together yeah. on those. So, so there's lots of different ways you can use your amazing knowledge yeah. so um, to help parents, help families. Fabulous. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lauren. Thank you. And thanks for joining us, everyone. Hope you found it beneficial. We're going to put the links below to Lauren's website. Um, yeah, but ask any questions. Do get in touch if you want to know more about Lauren. Um, email, phone, all the details will be below. And thank you. It's been great to have you here. We'll be back soon with a, another video soon. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>